Hey y'all, welcome to Sunny D, the ponderings of a black polyamorous and sexual polymath. That would be me, D-Ray. I talk about relationships, relationshiping, intersectionality, tea, and a whole lot of other shit. Let's get on with the show in our different segments. All right, so for today on What's the Tea? The tea that I am drinking as I record this is Elements of Water. And I wanted to do this one because this is one of the main teas that I use whenever I am sitting down at my altar. So it's the perfect tea for today's episode's theme. All right, so Elements of Water is um, from a company called Queenly Conjure which is a spiritual shop based out of New Orleans, Louisiana. Hey, um, I really, really would like to go there someday. Maybe not the next time I visit Louisiana because that's very, very soon and I have plans already. But maybe the time after that might take a road trip down to Enola and, and visit the shop along with a couple of other places that have popped on my radar that I really want to visit in New Orleans. And maybe on a bonus episode on my Patreon, I'll list the different places that I want to visit because it's it's a lot of things that have that are pertinent to my interests that have popped up in New Orleans during the pandemic damn it shoot anyways about elements of water this um this tea has three of my favorite ingredients so when I first got it I knew I was going to love it the three of my favorite ingredients are uh, pea flowers damiana and honeysuckle this tea is a bit floral and that comes from the lavender and the pea flowers. But the honeysuckle plus the Damiana lend it a natural sweetness, which I've mentioned before. I really like teas that have that are naturally sweet or slightly sweet because I don't really put honey or any other kind of sweetener in most of my teas. I prefer to drink the tea in its original flavor. <laughs> I guess you would say. Um, so the, the the slight sweetness that those two ingredients lend to this is perfect for me. Damiana also gives it a slightly minty, slightly piney um, impression. Like you're in the woods, it's like deep, earthy and woody. And so that earthy taste mixed with the honeysuckle sweetness and the little bit of floral is amazing. It really reminds me of my childhood, like being in the woods behind my mama house in Louisiana, picking honeysuckle with my siblings, coming back inside and my mama saying, y'all didn't eat that honeysuckle or y'all didn't suck on that honeysuckle, did y'all? Because, you know, the <laughs> parish might be um, spraying pesticides on it, blah, 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 blah. Did we still suck the honeysuckle? Hell yes, we did. Um, so by itself, perfect with a little bit of brown sugar and lemon, exceptional. And I also love this tea because, because it has pea flowers and when you brew pea flowers, it makes this really pretty, like more than teal, it's like a deep teal blue. It's, it's so pretty. But then when you put lemon in it, the tea turns purple, like bright vivid purple yeah y'all y'all have to y'all really have to, to to see it in action and you can on my um twitter 
because I think there is a couple of times actually where I do a little video. Um, if you search pea flowers in my Twitter handle, you will probably see a video of the me brewing tea and it turning purple. So there you go. All right, so for the other tea of what's the tea, this also was a very uh, eventful week for me, so I didn't really catch up on any current events except for the one that is obvious, um, Russia and Ukraine. Now, I have known a lot about Ukraine's history and that's because my ex-husband um, has a kid. A lot of people don't know this about him, but he has a kid and um, his baby mama is from Ukraine and they live in Ukraine. And so I can remember a few times in our relationship where um, we were concerned for their safety. And there were also a few times where they couldn't get like they, they couldn't reach out. We couldn't get in touch with them and they couldn't reach out um, to us. And so it was very concerning because, you know, this is this man's son and I cared about him <laughs> at the time. So, of course, I care about his son. I always care about children. I don't care how shitty your parents are. I'm, I'm going to care about the kids. And, yeah, so I know um, a little bit about Ukraine's history, um, in, even their recent history. And also the worry of having a loved one in Ukraine and and, and not knowing what was happening to them. Um, so I just wanted to take a moment out to give my support and um, yeah, just have a little moment uh, for you guys. It has been quite heartbreaking to see a lot of... Um, the accounts like the news accounts but even more heartbreaking that you know i have folks that i've never met in real life but like twitter folks um social media has really brought us together in a lot of ways um you become friends and have these connections with folks that you may never meet in person um in the flesh so yeah i have it's been very heartbreaking to read these people's stories, like what they're going through and them and, and not knowing if this is the last time that you're going to hear from this person, you know? Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot. Um, not, you know, it's th that little bit, I, I just can't even imagine. That's all I'm saying. I can't even imagine. Um, so I am sending out good juju for all of Ukraine citizens. And yeah, just, I just would like to take a moment to acknowledge that and let y'all know that, you know, I'm thinking about you. Um, and this is shitty. This is shitty. Yeah. 
All right, so in this episode, I wanted to talk about T in ATRs. ATRs stand for African Traditional Religions. I wanted to use the first three-ish so episodes of my podcast to really talk about the things that are important to me um, that I feel like are a big part of my identity. So if I was to take the top 10 things that are the cornerstones of my personality, my identity, the things that probably stand out once you get to know me or even before you get to know me that I talk about a lot that I'm passionate about that just if you don't know these things about me then you probably don't know me um those things would be non-monogamy kink tea um, spiritual practices organization and planning <laughs> that, that's I'm putting that together as one organization and planning um goofiness foxes my fandoms, especially My Little Pony and Star Trek, and actually a lot of animated things in anime, but my top two fandoms would probably be My Little Pony and Star Trek. All right, so those are eight things. Um, I can't really think of two more things, so that's what you get. Um, folks who know me can probably add the two other things, but <laughs> right now I can't think of anything else. So yeah, those are the eight top things about me <laughs> that are cornerstones of who D is. Anyways, um, yeah, so in the first few episodes, I wanted to kind of talk about like my journey into some of these things, the most important things and the things that I'm going to be talking about a lot on this podcast. So, um, and so here I am talking about T and how it relates to my journey into my spirituality, into discovering ATRs and how I practice them. So I was born in Louisiana. Um, I'm an army rat, so I was born in Louisiana, but we immediately moved to upstate New York. However, we moved back to Northern Louisiana where my parents are from before I was in middle school. So yeah, I got a lot of Louisiana culture in me, even though I didn't spend my entire childhood there because i was living in louisiana i was kind of surrounded by spiritual practices that was not christianity uh like you know i was entrenched in atrs although just like some french phrases i didn't recognize them for what they were until i started studying it like there there were french phrases that i knew but I didn't know that they were French. I thought that they were English because we just used them. And then once I started taking French in middle school, I was like, oh, wait. Oh, so those those aren't English words? Okay, okay. And that's how I feel about some of the stuff that I practice now. I knew it growing up, but I didn't realize that it was part of something bigger, that it was actually, you know, it, it was actually like traditions that were passed down from from my ancestors' beliefs. So, you know, <laughs> I think a lot of people that are born in mostly raised in Louisiana know about voodoo and hoodoo, even if it's just the very basics. 
But yeah, like I said, I didn't recognize some of those like quirks and doings and sayings as being originally from African traditions. I was just like, oh, I'm black and I'm from the country. Here's some little quirks that we do, that my family does, things that we say. Ha 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 ha. That's kind of my beginnings to ATRs where it, it was there even if I didn't recognize it. Um, some of my earliest memories of tea though were from my mama. So I have very strong memories of my mama making sweet tea on Sundays. I have a very particular way even still that I make sweet tea because of her um, making sweet tea. And she always would use you know, tea bags and make the hot tea and mix it with a certain amount of water. Y'all put a certain amount of sugar in there. So like that whole process, the whole ritual of doing that is still something that I do to this day. And it's just not sweet tea to me if it's not made like that. I mean, you can get sweet tea and stuff. I actually don't get sweet tea and stuff at restaurants because yeah, I, mm -hmm. I mean, I've gotten sweet tea at restaurants in the South, but since I don't live in the South anymore, and I don't care what anybody says, Maryland is not the South. Um, y'all can y'all can say that y'all from the South, and there, I mean, there is some Southern shit in Southern Maryland, but as somebody who is used to deep South, I there's just there's a lot <laughs> that I'm just like middle middle America needs something like you know because northern west virginia northern virginia in maryland i'm just like y'all are some weird conglomeration and not the south whatever i might get some flack for saying that but i'm sorry that's just how i feel that's just i it just that's just how i feel okay y'all Anyways, so yes, my mama making sweet tea and also drinking tea with my mama and just talking. Me and my mom have a very, very close relationship. I sincerely believe that we are soulmates, that we were literally the same soul or have just been souls who connect in every life. We are so similar, um, process things very, very much the same have a lot of the same ideas and, and, and ways of communicating and core beliefs. So I love that woman. And a lot I feel like of my formative things is like, you know, feeling like a grown up, drinking hot tea with her and just talking about different stuff. Um, and I still give my mama tea gifts even now. Um, she, she enjoys tea. I have introduced her to the wonders also of um loose leaf tea and yeah 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 so i was used to like you know just drinking tea um hot tea often but i never thought of it as like a thing i would never say oh i'm i'm addicted to tea you know in my first place by myself i didn't have a kettle so i used to make tea on the stove and the way that I would do that is I would boil water in a pot on the stove. And then when the water started boiling, I would stop it. And then I will just put the tea bag into the water. And if I wanted to add sugar at that time, I would. I would stir the sugar in the water. But most of the time, I just, you know, had the tea sitting there on the stove. And it would just be a big pot of tea sitting on the stove. And I would drink from that all day. And if I wanted to warm it back up, that I would put it in the microwave. 
the first time that someone made a remark about my love of tea was at some point in time, um, a sorority sister moved in with me and she was the one who was like, wow, D, you got me addicted to tea. And she would tell other people, the amount of tea that I drink now that I live with D is more than than the amount of tea I've drank my whole life. <laughs> She's like, she always has tea. And now I'm drinking tea every day, every night. And yeah, that was just very interesting to me that like I didn't even realize that I drank tea so much um, until until then. It was just a normal part of my routine. So sometime before this, probably a few months several months. I think it was less than a year, but more than six months. Yes, that sounds about right. I withdrew from school and actually started talking to my therapist because y'all was a ride to get to the point where I was actually talking to the therapist. First of all, finding the therapist that I liked was a process. The first therapist that I got was this white lady and I was telling her about, you know, some of my trauma, why I was there because this is when my trauma had gotten thrown in my face and I had to face it instead of numbing myself. And through that entire exchange, she was giving me these pitying faces and was just like, oh, wow, wow. I'm sorry, but a thing that I do not want to hear from a therapist is, Oh, wow, 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 wow. And then at the end of it saying um, that I'm so well adjusted or something like that for all that I've been through. And I don't know. And also pitying looks. I can't I can't do it. So I was like, nope, I need a different therapist. And I went through a couple more and then got the therapist that I had at the time. Actually, the first couple of sessions, I kind of refused to talk. I would just sit there. <laughs> um, so yeah, it took it took me it took me a while. But around this time is when I actually started talking to my therapist. Yeah. So then, when I actually started opening up to her, she gave me a few books, and one of the books was "Of Water and the Spirit," which was a book where this um, man talks about being raised in African traditions and then kind of being a, not adopted, but adopted by this white Christian family who gave him a lot of Christian upbringing and then going back to his village and being raised and initiated back into his spiritual practice and then coming back and educating folks. That's kind of the gist of it. To be honest, when she gave it to me, I was like, um, I am a Christian. I do believe that hoodoo is real. I couldn't come up where I did without believing that. But at that time, I also had a different interpretation of the Bible because there were definitely spiritual practitioners in the Bible, folks who had gifts. Um, and Christian folks even believe that now that, certain, that people have certain gifts, but they only think that the gifts are good or whatever if the Christians are doing it. And if folks that they don't feel like are Christians are doing these things, then it's not good. So I was like, hmm... 
I don't know why you giving me this book and I don't know if I should read it. So I put it down and I didn't read it until years later and it has been a while since I've read it. So, you know, don't quote me on the exact synopsis of that book, but that's, I think, pretty close to it. So anyways, yeah, she gave me that book and I was like, mm, nah. However, it did kind of spark something in me um and i kept the book <laughs> and later added more books like it to my collection over the years i've used tea to connect with folks you know where people have coffee dates i would have tea dates where i or the other person could drink coffee yes but i would drink tea and i shared a lot of tea with a lot of people um i do remember that there was this friends with benefits type when we first met it was over tea and a lot of our relationship and talking about really deep things this is somebody where I had many deep conversations with that it kind of showed me that you can have a romantic type partner and have like the this really depth of communication with them we had a lot of our dates at tea places in DC at Teaism. Teaism was our spot, man. And I think that's a place where I really got into more, you know, gourmet teas. Because before this, I I was a broke college student. I was taking care of myself, sending money back home because I came from a poor family. Then when I withdrew, I was like trying to support myself and working and hustling and so the tea that i bought was from the store just like regular mint tea regular orange pico tea like you know just like the regular stuff that you can buy in bulk like the great value tea which you know some of those teas is tasty but going to these dates with him he would always pay kind of got me into more um like I said, gourmet teas and sharing those moments, those intimate moments, those vulnerable moments over tea, I think kind of solidified along with my early memories of tea and sharing those moments with my mom, the importance of tea and well, it connected tea with those special moments to me. It's probably a reason that I feel strongly about tea because to me, it does connect me with people. I really do feel like more connected with folks when I share certain teas with them or when somebody gives me a tea that they feel like I would like or figuring out a blend that somebody may like or being um, you know, a tea witch and figuring out what's something that will help this person feel better. Physically, yes, but mentally and spiritually as well. And, you know, it's a lot of a lot of British people and even non British people are like oh yeah anything's wrong here's a cup of tea like do you need some tea they will brew tea whenever there's something going on and i think that there's a reason for that anyways woo, that was a little aside and <laughs> it should have probably been at the end of the episode but whatever we continue so yeah i enjoy tea a lot but it wasn't until it wasn't until I got out of my abusive relationship with my ex-husband where I really started exploring tea, where I really started using it as a meditative aid and researching different things um, about it, basically being more serious 
about tea. And um, that was like five or so years ago. Actually, I think it started when I bought my first thing of loose leaf tea. Um, I had a really great government job at the time. So, you know, I bought this loose leaf tea that was high quality and it was so good. The flavor was so intense. The steeps that I can get out of it, like more than steeping it for more than one time and the flavor is still like pow. And the aroma of the tea, so good, y'all. Um, the ritual of making the tea putting it in an infuser or a teapot and then you're starting the kettle oh yeah i also got a kettle at this time <laughs> finally got a kettle for my tea um putting the water in the kettle starting the kettle getting it to the right temperature waiting for it to be ready as you steep and all of that took time and since i was getting out of this abusive relationship and and doing things for myself, I would use that time to reflect. I would think about who am I? Who do I wanna be? How does all these things that are happening to me now affect me seriously? And I would continue thinking about these things while I would drink the tea. And during this time, I have been getting these urges to like explore who I was and who my people were. I was asking my mama and my grandmama about their folks and what they knew about our ancestors. And all of this intensified when, as I was researching tea and like tea leaves, where they come from, the best ways to brew tea, all the ingredients that are in tea, what's the process for making tea? I was doing this research and I came across African tea traditions like tea masala, uh, Senegalese, Ataya or Ataye tea ceremonies, which were very similar to Moroccan tea ceremonies, that Kenya is the third largest tea producer in the world. I was researching all of this in tea and I was like, wow, look, my continent has has a history with tea as well. That's so that's that's so amazing. So yeah, I was researching these tea things. I was kind of like also exploring like my ancestors and everything. And then I was talking to an acquaintance who also loved tea. And so we talked about different teas and stuff like that. And she mentioned that she loved to drink tea while sitting at her altar. And after all the research I was doing, after all this reflection and shit, I was like, huh, that's interesting. And honestly, this tea thing and also... Um, reflecting spiritually and also thinking about my ancestors and my ancestry, they really do tie together in many ways. Um, so having an altar that really, really appealed to me. So I went to the Googles <laughs> to figure out how do I set up an altar? How do I figure out what are the things that I want to do in my spiritual practice? And I found a lot of information, y'all, um, of course. Google is a great starting place in, in things, but you really have to know what you're looking for um, and try to find some reputable sources because you can find stuff on Google, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's true or that it comes from a great source. So I was mostly finding things that were white people talking about voodoo and hoodoo. No. Or 
more educational things, which I actually loved. And I still do have a notebook where I took notes. And those were like educational things about African traditional religions and the history of it and the broad general beliefs, less than the practicing of it. And through this research and trying to find like, how do I actually practice? How do I find recent information, like current information? Um, How do I find a community and things like that? I found a little Juju podcast. If you're Black and into ATRs, I really, really recommend that podcast. Um, Through her podcast, I found other podcasts and websites for Black folks and Black folks who practice hoodoo and hoodoo Twitter. (laughs) I got book recommendations. Once I found that resource, it was kind of like more and more things just tumbled into my lap. And I really feel like that, yes, that was the universe looking out for me. It says, we see you, we see what you're looking for, we see what you're doing, and you're making the effort to find it. And here you go. Here you go, boo-boo. Also through Juju's podcast, I went back to something that was really entertaining to me as a teen and young adult, and that's astrology. I was really, really into astrology whenever I was little. Like I would read my horoscope in the damn newspaper every day. And then as I, you know, left my mama's house and became a young adult and was in college and all that, I would like look at astrology stuff. And um, I always, <laughs> I always felt that the Capricorn stuff was just so accurate for me. I'm the quintessential Capricorn. And plus I'm a moon lover. Like I love, love, love the warmth of the sun. But I adore the moon, just looking at it, feeling an affinity for it. And I felt like this since, you know, I was, I was little. And so Juju did an episode where there was somebody who was more into astrology was talking. And I learned so much in that episode. And it made me realize that there is a lot to astrology that I didn't know. But I never really was like, oh, I'm going to look and see how it was until the episode. This kind of also ties into Um, some of the things that I'm reading about that I want to include in my spiritual practice. So um, yeah, like that, that made me look into like astrology and I started learning about birth charts and all of that, but I really didn't start looking that deep into astrology because it goes even deeper than that until a friend gave me for my birthday some tea in this astrology planner called The Magic of Eye. This astrology planner has pages of guides and explanations and I was blown because I'm like really into the stars. I am really into the moon. Like I said, I feel an affinity for it and just learning how um, how and why people use the stars and the planets to interpret certain things kind of harken in my mind back to ATRs and how a lot of uh, indigenous cultures use celestial bodies to interpret things, how they use nature to interpret things. And so I really, really vibe with that. That really resonated with me. So that is the quick and dirty history of how I started learning about tea and loving tea and that kind of jump-started, sparked my research in love of African traditional religions and wanting to dig deeper into into those. Currently, I 
practice hoodoo. So hoodoo is a set of spiritual practices, traditions, and beliefs that were created by enslaved Africans in North America, and it was concealed from the slaveholders, of course. Uh, Hoodoo evolved from various African religions and practices, and in the South, a lot of them incorporated various elements of indigenous um, communities, indigenous knowledge of nature and botanical knowledge and all of that. I found it very interesting in my research of hoodoo how (laughs) um the reason that people in louisiana believe that hoodoo works is because hoodoo works (laughs) i mean like there's just too many stories of, of of things happening and it working and part of that i feel like is because you know you, you know that, that phrase, witch doctor? It's called doctor because a lot of this knowledge was knowledge of plants that can do certain stuff. And yeah, y'all, plants can do certain stuff. And, you know, <laughs> I love that. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I'm over here like, look, I'm not about to say a whole bunch. Um. I'm not about to say a whole bunch, but I will say this is that there is practical knowledge that goes into this. There is, I feel like scientific knowledge, even though some of the stuff wasn't scientific in the way that we view science now, the scientific method lays out certain steps. And the thing is, is that if you have a hypothesis that something's going to happen if you do a thing and then it keeps happening whenever you do that thing, yeah, you can't tell me that that is not proven. And so, yeah, there were, yes, physical things that I believe is a reason that hoodoo works. And then there's also spiritual things that I believe are a reason that hoodoo works. I truly believe that we don't know everything. There are forces at work that we still don't understand. I'm sure many people back in the day said, oh, she just gave him that plant. That's magic. And now we're like, oh, that's, you know, we we synthesized that plant in the lab now and gave it to somebody and it relieves this thing. Does it matter that we are doing it in a lab versus out in the field? Or talking to plants, talking to plants and the plants will grow. And then eventually we learn that's because we've given them carbon dioxide. Like just because you, we don't understand it now doesn't mean that there isn't a perfectly reasonable explanation for it. And that's the way that I look at a lot of spiritual things. People say it's spiritual because, you know, you, you just don't understand it yet. A few years ago, I was reading this scientific article about vibrations and about how everything in our universe is constantly in motion, vibrating, oscillating, resonating, what have you, at different frequencies, and that they were trying to do some research and some experiments onto or about speaking and how speaking something into existence and the conviction in which you speak it may or may not be real. Um... I'm a big old science geek, y'all. We should probably put that in the top 
thing, top 10 things about me that I had at the beginning of this episode, we should probably put that in there, that I am a science geek and a sci-fi geek. Um, I really like learning about real life AGI, which is artificial general intelligence, which is the intelligence that if we were to have a robot or whatever that has sentience, will probably be AGI instead of AI. Regardless, um, I like sci-fi because I feel like a lot of things that are in sci-fi are things that can be achieved once we know more about the universe. So anyways, I read a lot about all of these little things and I truly believe that a lot of things that people think are magic and foolish are actually just science that we haven't figured out yet. We don't know everything about the universe. We don't know everything about how it works. So back to what I was saying before. So I practice hoodoo and I have traditions that have been passed down verbally, oral traditions from my family. I talked about, you know, being from the South and learning all of these things that I didn't know it was hoodoo, but actually was. So I have those things and I combine it with other things that resonate with me. And so the things that resonate with me in my spiritual practice is ancestral veneration, which is the cornerstone, I feel like, of all African traditional religions. This is basically the fact that our ancestors are important. We came from our ancestors and we should give them homage and respect. And that's part of a reason um, I have an altar is to give respect and honor to my ancestors. Another thing that I combine in my spiritual practice is that my family, as far as I can trace, come from equal parts, the Benin, Togo area, and then the Cameroon, Congo area. So I've researched a lot on those traditional practices. And what personally resonates with me is Voodoo, which a lot of people believe is like the origin of voodoo and animism which is the belief that not only humans can have souls but nature does as well which you can kind of understand may resonate with me from what i said before about the universe being connected <laughs> what else resonates with me um astrology i put some astrology in my practice um i do i do sometimes do my own horoscope for the day um, based off of the planets and where they are in relation to each other. Um, but mostly I use astrology in my practice is with the moon phases. I use them to set intentions, to track in my intentions, to let go of certain things. Depending on the moon phase, what are the best time to do certain workings? Um, so yeah, I use those things within my practice. So just a little recap. The things are hoodoo that has been passed down to me, ancestral veneration, um, voodoo, animism, and astrology. So I kind of combine all that together. There are many, many things in that that complement each other. And that's why I just say that I practice hoodoo because hoodoo is a conglomeration of a lot of things. And it's very personal to me, my practice, the way that I do things. What works for me may not work for somebody else. Um, I truly, truly believe that a lot of things are individual. It really is about what works for you. What's your personality like? What are your beliefs? What do you have affinities for? What resonates with you? So yeah, that's that's kind of the way that I order my practice. And through all of this, I use tea to help 
set the mood, to relax me, to put me in a meditative state, to prep my body. Every time that I am sitting at my altar, I am sitting there, I'm talking to my ancestors while drinking tea because again, tea to me is a way to connect with folks. Um, anytime I'm um, going to do any workings, I brew some tea and I, you know, start gathering my stuff. And also, a lot of what I've learned about tea ingredients helps me in my practice because I'm definitely a tea witch, a kitchen witch, a botanical witch, whatever you want to call it. Because, you know, plants have properties and you can use that to your advantage. I've definitely used that to my advantage for folks who have digestive problems, for aches and pains, for energy, for sleep, and for other things as well. So plants have properties. You can use those to your advantage. And I learned a lot about plant properties in my tea research. And some of those same plants I can use in my practice because <laughs> those properties translate over. So yeah, now y'all know a little bit more about me and some of the things that are important to me that make up a huge aspect of my you know, personality, how I'm wired and the things that I do. I feel like the closer a person is to me, the more they also start appreciating tea. I introduce tea to everybody that is important to me in my life, everybody that I have a strong connection to. And they definitely hit me up and ask me questions about, you know, tea and what tea should they have for this and that, or if I if or or if I think that they would enjoy a certain tea. So yeah, I think it is something that, that helps me connect to folks. If I've ever bought you tea or given you tea or recommended tea to you, know that I truly love you. <laughs> and that is not a joke. I really do because this is that's a way that I that I show my love. I definitely have bought all my partner's teas. Um, you know, romantic and platonic, and I have a good grasp on the teas that the people close to me like and how they like to prepare their tea because it's not the way that I will prepare it a lot of times, but that's okay because do they enjoy it? To me, that's the main thing. Do you enjoy your tea? Period. And I feel like that this, that's the same in spiritual practices. Like, are you harming somebody else now? Notice that I didn't say hurting because the fact of the matter is, is that hoodoo was used traditionally as a way to hurt the oppressor, to empower those who were being oppressed. And I think that it is still a way to do that. And I feel like that there are certain lessons that certain folks need to learn. And I may or may not be the teacher for those lessons. But regardless, I feel like if your spiritual practice isn't wholeheartedly oppressing a group of folks just because they're that group of folks, then let people be. Let people have their spiritual practices. Folks are individuals. So what works for somebody in one way spiritually may not totally work for somebody else and I respect that all right and uh <laughs> this whole episode was that's the tea <laughs> that's all I have to say for this episode and next week we're going to be talking about 
Non-monogamy 101. I'm going to do a quick rundown on non-monogamy and some non-monogamy terms and questions that I have gotten over the years that are the same, like that I've gotten frequently over the year. Like every time I tell somebody about non-monogamy, it's new to them. These are the questions that a lot of folks ask. So we're going to talk about that. And I also have collected questions during, um, during polyamory week. I collected questions and I'm going to be answering those so that's what's up for next week but as far as for this week we're done and that's that on that this episode was recorded mixed and edited by me d-ray the transcription was by the fugitive doctor and you can find the full transcript on my website, sunnydpod.com. Theme song was by Cowpen Creations. Thank you to all of my beautiful Patreon subscribers. If you would like to become a patron, you can find me on patreon.com slash sunnydpod or search sunnydpod. You can also feel free to join my Facebook page, sunnyd, my Facebook group, sunnydpod. Find me on Instagram at SunnyDPod, on TikTok at SunnyDMeeks, and my ratchet ass Twitter at LilWildMeeks. That's it. Stay foxy, y'all.